up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Baby Podcast. And today we're back with another tribute episode, only this time we got a couple first for you. Yeah. So this is the first 30-year tribute, mm-hmm. right? We've done a couple other episodes where we mentioned an album that came out 30 years ago, but we did it alongside some other albums. Mm-hmm. And this is our first R&B tribute. Yeah. And it's also a bit of a weird one. So yeah. what we're doing today is we got the new edition album, Heartbreak, released June 20th, 1988. And here's the thing. We just found out today that Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel was, was the also same released day. June 20th, 1988. <laughs> yeah. So this ought to be a, a fun episode to do. Yeah. So this is just going to have to be an overall new edition episode. And we're going to, we're not holding any punches. We're going to give you both sides of the coin. <laughs> so, uh, so we start with any heartbreak. Right. Do you want to say which album you think is better of the two? I haven't even listened to Don't Be Cruel. Oh, you haven't? I actually listened to this album for the first time today. Oh, wow. I only knew about the hits. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I knew about If It Isn't Love. Mm-hmm. I knew about You're Not My Kind of Girl. I knew about Can You Stand the Rain. And I knew about Boys to Men. If so- I'm not mistaken, That's the Way We're Living was had a scene in the New Edition movie that we watched, right? Maybe it did. Yeah. Because I, I did. remember thinking, like, why did they... <laughs> Why did they put this in the movie? But then I guess it's because it had such a live element to it. But sure, anyway. sure. So actually, when we decided to do this, I was like, you know, I, I've never really listened to this album. And so here's the thing for me. Mm. I feel like we should probably do some more R&B tributes. There's definitely some pivotal works yeah. that are worth discussing. And even though this is a more hip-hop-centered, more hip-hop-focused, right, right. there's definitely some more R&B albums that we should pay homage to. Yeah. But the thing for me, though, is that you know, I really didn't listen to that much R&B. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, at least not the albums. I mean, right? also, though, this album came out in 88, so it it's not like we were like... It it's not like we were fully formed mentally as music nerds in 88. But so. you were you were yeah. a big New Edition fan in the early 90s, right? I was. Or, or Belvin DeVoe specifically? And, well, no, no, no. New Edition in right. total. And I, I will say back to that question that I asked you, mm-hmm. I think Don't Be Cruel is a much better album. So let's go album. through the track listing of that one real quick. All right, cool. So yeah, so right off we got the lead single, Don't Be Cruel. Just look at this stretch. I'm going to just go... Don't be cruel. My prerogative. Roni. Rock with you. Every little step. Yeah. Five, I mean, that, well, that five song stretch, like, show me that on the new edition <laughs> album. <laughs> Both of these albums kind of sound a little similar. I mean, they're definitely in the mm. same genre, right? Mm-hmm. They're released on the same day, but they're written by entirely two different folks. Yo, and that's crazy because if you ask me, Yank... We, we're going to give you a an album. The album comes out late 80s, early 90s. Do you want Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam or Babyface and L.A. Reid to do your album? I would have said Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam. Lewis and Jimmy Jam. Right, you got what they did with Janet. Um, right. You got all the stuff that they did on the new edition albums, right. um, obviously. But then, yeah. I Tons. Mean, but, but you look at what Babyface did with this album. Yeah. Jeez. I didn't know that Babyface was involved in this album like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I knew he did the writing. I didn't realize he produced most of it, too. Well, and, you know, L.A. Reid as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, does that does L.A. Reid really produce? So so is it more like a Puff Daddy produce? I think kind of. I, I don't know. I have to, I'd have to ask some folks that, that are more knowledgeable than I am. I know that, you know, people have said he had a really good R&B mind, mm-hmm. but I don't know that, I, that he's touching buttons. I'm curious what other things, what other projects Babyface was working on at this time. And like I said, I'm not a huge yeah. R&B head. Yeah. So some of this stuff is like, oh, I'm familiar with that song. I'm uh-huh. familiar in passing. But I don't yeah. know the nuances. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And R&B is not something that I really 
get nerdy about either. I'm yeah. not sure if I care about how some of this <laughs> stuff comes together. Yeah. I, I should, but I don't. I know Babyface like did a lot of work with like Boys to Men and mm-hmm. you know and cats like that. But, but um, what was he doing solo wise around this time? Tender Lover. And that had that song Whip Appeal on it. Which I would actually have to have you play. I don't know the song about the name of it. Whip Appeal's one of those records where um you know the song. I'm like, sure I know I do. you know oh, it. I'm yeah, sure I you do. just you wouldn't know it by that name because yeah. it's not that's not like the hook. What is the hook? I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> yeah, y- y- y'all don't want to hear that. So what got you into New Edition? Because like you said, this album came out before yeah. your time, before my time. If it isn't love, that okay. video. When I was a kid, I just thought it was so cool and that really got me into them. I had heard like Candy Girl and songs like that, but I well, when did you first see that video? So when I was a kid, my folks like were like pretty much anti like a lot of the rap and stuff like that that mm-hmm. was out. Like they wouldn't let me watch like rap music videos right. and stuff. Uh, but Michael Jackson was like on I mean, on limits for my, for my house, so I could watch any Michael Jackson thing. I was like, it was cool. So I had like a little VHS tape, and I like taped every Michael Jackson video. Right, like, I, you know. Um, and I want to say that probably around the time I was taping Michael Jackson video would, would be when I saw the, the If It Isn't Love video. Okay. So probably some somewhere in the early 90s. Okay. And yeah, and then I became like a huge New Edition fan and I listened to like everything that they were putting out. And then you like the Belle Bib DeVoe? BBD, of course. BBD. Yeah. Um, I think, man, I'm trying to remember what, what else after I heard If It Isn't Love, like what else I super got into. But it was just everything that they put out like from there I was checking for. If you are all unfamiliar, so BET put out a new edition movie. Wow. It was a three-part movie. I think each part was, what, about an hour mm-hmm. and some change? Yeah. And so we decided to break down that movie. We loved it. Right. I had so much fun watching it. Exactly. Um, so we got a lot into new edition there. But uh, specifically, we want to talk about this album. We were looking at tributes, and I think it was your actually outlaw. You you initially had the idea of like we should do some R and B ones too. This is true. And I think, so I think Janet yeah. was the yes, original the one rope. that you had had yeah. mentioned. But uh, I think I threw this on the list as yeah. well. And now then I went and I like really listened to this <laughs> album, and I realized that when I connected with this album, I wasn't listening to albums yeah. in the same way that I listen to albums now. Mm-hmm. In that an album was just a collection of songs to me. Yeah. Like I don't think I understood the album as digest this whole piece of music and it take you somewhere. When I was young, like we just listened to the songs I was on the radio, mm-hmm. right? So like if you had an album and it had four songs that were on the radio, it was a good album. Yeah. And I think artists approached making albums the same way I was Absolutely. consuming them, where they said, okay, we got this group, we got two songs on them, we need like, you know, 10 more songs and then we'll have an album and we'll just put it out. Try to make 10 more songs that sound like these two and we'll just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, this album, I hear it. No, I don't I, know how you, if you agree. I agree 100%. And I think that what you're talking about is not uncommon for the time. In right. fact, that there's a lot of new music coming out that's kind of gone back to that. Yeah. I think that we were spoiled at a time mm. listening to hip hop in the 90s because there were mm-hmm. so many albums that came out that were really cohesive projects. Yeah. I mean, like if you think about it, I think that Ghostface Killer Iron Man is a big one. It only had one real hit, yeah. which was, yeah, you had the video for the Day 2500, but the all, I, all that I got is you, right? But that album is dope yeah. without many real singles. Right. Bunch of projects that were coming together like that. Yeah. And I think that before that time, albums were more just like a collection of songs. Yeah. You know, because, because if, you, if you think about the history of it, you know, the only real 
musicians that were putting together albums as cohesive projects were mm. jazz musicians. Yeah. And maybe if you were doing like scoring a movie mm. or something like that, yeah. because rock and pop music for the longest times, it was just, you know, singles and, and, and 45s right, and B-sides. Right. 88, we're talking back in vinyl times. Right. So it's like these cats you got 12 inches and then right. you got like eps lps right but they're sequencing got, I think you got some cassette tapes too yeah yeah you got, so you, cas- you got some cassette tapes yeah. but i think they were still making albums for they were. vinyl yeah they were so in that way you're chopping up your songs so that your album is like a side is cohesive mm-hmm. then the person's flipping it over and they're going to the next right. th- three four songs or whatever you know what i mean so maybe that that's also part of it. But this album, to be honest, was like a little difficult to sit through the whole thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it was the skits were horrible to me. Yeah, it was um, just a bunch of them laughing yeah, and talking. Just la- and like it was just like and so I listened to it like a couple times and I was like, oh, so was boys to men basically like did they put that at the end to show like they were super immature throughout the album and then and then boys to men comes Maybe. and then now they're all they're grown so they're Maybe. not going to make these silly ass skits that they had i mean when you hear songs. johnny gill on that it kind of kind of makes sense because yeah. i don't think that ralph tresvan and and johnny gill are the only ones singing on this no they're not I know that Abel is singing on here, yeah, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if even Biv and DeVoe were trying to do something on here. Uh-huh. There's some sounds that I'm just like, yeah, this is not like the strong singers in the group here. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, like I said, I was listening to this for the first time recently, so I can't yeah. necessarily decipher which of uh, Bell, Biv, and DeVoe mm-hmm. I'm listening to. I can kind of tell Biv yeah. when he's talking, right. right? But yeah, then you hear the boys to men and hear Johnny Gill open up. It's like, oh, yeah, kills. there you go. Yeah, but But like, you know, while the record has a very cohesive sound because it's pretty much just Terry Lewis mm-hmm. and Jimmy Jam the whole time, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like it starts and it's like a concert, right? Yeah. So they they come out, you know, on intro and that's the way we're living. And you know, it's like they get introduced and they come out and you hear the crowd kind of going wild and and that continues for like the first couple tracks where you kind of hear the crowd. Yeah. It's kind of a live album. It does have a, a live to atmosphere it. to it, yeah. That concept disappears somewhere in the album and you're it no longer it's no longer live anymore. <laughs> and then it's like them and they're, you know, they're telling you about meeting the girl and, you know, loving the girl and then, you know, any heartbreak, which is, yeah. you know, where where it's at. But um yeah, I mean, the storyline kind of loses me. You and know? I don't think your assessment is incorrect. Right. I'm also not sure if it really matters, right? Yeah. Because I think that this type of music, when we're talking about R&B, mm-hmm. specifically when we're talking about pop, dance, club R&B with mm-hmm. a hip-hop twist to it, mm-hmm. I don't think those things really matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What, what really matters is that when you go do the live show, you know, people recognize the dances. A couple songs. And yeah, and I think that that's kind of what it is. So yeah. it's more or less just a collection of, of singles. Exactly. So, I mean, then they, they kind of strung them together, like, with the skits. The few, like, strong songs here are really strong. Oh, yeah. And a couple of them have aged okay. Mm-hmm. But this album as a whole has not aged well, right? So... Can You Stand the Rain is, is Can amazing. You Stand the Rain. It's yeah. incredible. Um, you know, If It Isn't Love is really dope. I think, though, it's one of the early records that do what a lot of, to me, what a lot of records do nowadays, yeah. including, actually, your man Donald Glover's record, which we can talk about later if you want. But that video, I think, also propelled it oh, to a further. Like, if you just hear the song, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. But um, that music video was, like, really what is in people's minds so when i hear that song the music video is playing in my head 
when you say that, you know, I think that we do have to give respect to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're doing so, but I'm saying just to elaborate a little bit more. I mean, that is definitely one of the more iconic videos. I yeah. mean, when you think about how often you see new edition in pop culture mm-hmm. as like, a, like in the background of something, right? So, for example, you know, the best man holiday. Okay. They do the dance. Yeah, they do the dance. Yeah. They have the air band, as they call it, right? Uh-huh. And that's when they do the lip syncing for um, If It Is In Love. Mm-hmm. And they do the whole dance and all that what yeah. stuff and whatnot. What was it? I just watched Girl Trip the other day. Mm-hmm. As the, the, the S, they're at the Essence Festival in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And they had New Edition there. And it's just like, oh, that's actually New Edition singing. Yeah. But this is a song that they're singing. Right. And oh, they're doing the dance. And they're right on cue, yeah. too. Oh, and I think crazy. everybody knows that. I mean, uh-huh. Even when, even when this song comes on, when they do the little throwbacks, mm-hmm. whatnot, right? I still see people doing the dances. Right. So I mean, look, shout out to the choreography. I'm not. Was that Maestro? Who was doing was. that? Was yeah, that yeah. Uncle Stro? Yeah, I think that was. Ah, oh, shout out to <laughs> shout out to Uncle Stro and for Wood Harris for playing Uncle Stro so eloquently, <laughs> uh, so brilliantly in the uh, the BET tribute. Right. He was definitely one of the highlights of the movie for me. Yeah, that and so. just. The interpretation of Bobby Brown's recklessness was was really fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely fun. And we'll get to Bobby, uh, <laughs> Bobby. shortly. This album ends with Boys to Men. And, uh, you know, I think that's also relevant because when we, we got to see that, you know, in the movie where, mm-hmm. you know, later Boys to Men, the group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, emerges and they say, this album is what influenced us to really want to do music. And so we've named our group after your song. So. Yeah. That's also a dope thing wanted to point out. I think we talked a whole lot about Boys to Men in the in the, in the in the tribute uh, to the movie, so we don't have to super go into that one. Mm-hmm. Any other records on here that you really want to? Um... I didn't mind the way that this album started. Okay, I think that even with the introduction, the way it blends into that's the way we're living, mm-hmm. where it all started, and then going into if it is in love, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, heartbreak crucial mm, i don't know so much about <laughs> crucial heartbreak is okay you're not my kind of girl i actually kind of found myself getting into it a little uh-huh. bit yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad but then yes. you know super lady competition i'm coming home kind of like mm. yeah yeah not exactly really, yeah, that's where really it started to lose those. me and then there was like that the skits and the too. skits along the yeah. way in fact the funny thing is <laughs> the skits aren't even listed in the wikipedia yeah, but exactly. there's like two or three skit one skit two skit three yeah. they're there's literally nothing going on. There's nothing clever. It's just like, oh, look at that girl. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like why are you, are you talking doing about? that? Right. So another thing that I'm seeing here on the wiki, which is hilarious and I didn't know, is that um, where it all started was a jab at New Kids on the Block. I can Who see knew? That. When the New Kids on the Block start coming out? It would have been right around this time. Right? Been, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. According to this, it says that their former producer, Maurice Starr, the new edition was discovered by them and so they when they severed ties with him they I guess they decided to, to throw a little jab at his new group that's uh, interesting i mean which character was he in the movie would that have been it? michael rapaport's character i thought he was the guy who was like who was in the group trying to produce them and then remember he told he told ralph tresvant to go solo oh remember so the, when they were the in the black, studio that early was the big dude yeah the big dude i think that's who that who maury star is because I remember them saying if they won the contest, then they would get a single by Maury Starr. That's right. And that was yes, him. Yes, that is exactly right. So he went on to produce New Kids on the Block? Apparently. 
And I mean, it seemed like that's kind of what he was looking for with, uh, with, or at least from what they showed in the movie, where mm-hmm. you know he was like, "Yeah, like I want like, pop records. I want records that are going out there." You know what I'm I mean, saying? Little, that's how you get paid, right? Yeah. He obviously, if if the movie is any indication, he was really trying to get paid. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anything else about this album though? Before we we switch over? No, nothing else about this. Other than I'm mm-hmm. curious, was this one of the first New Jack Swing projects? Or, like, when did Janice Control come out? 90. That was 90? I think so. I thought that was earlier. Let's see. Yeah, 86. Yeah, so maybe... And that also, that was was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So That was their, like, big, like, break. This was the record where it was like, oh, shit, they're the greatest producers in life. Right, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we got pretty much, you know, the whole group except for Bobby on this Mm -hmm. one. I think... Boys to Men really did solidify them from, you know, they didn't want to be the candy girl group anymore. Right. And like this was the album that really took them into, you know, they try to deal with more mature concepts with like the you're you're not my kind of girl and can you stand the rain and records yeah. like that. God, can you stand the rain? Amazing. I, mean, I can't it's, even I can't even talk enough about how incredible that record is. It's still the best scene or one of the best scenes yeah. in that movie to me. Definitely. To yeah. me it's still one of the best songs with that subject matter that has ever been made yeah. i love that song yeah. um and that's a that's like a joint where like if you do if you have a wet if you're a dj and you're playing a wedding and you don't play that song at some time in the night you probably should get fired like really yeah i don't think i've ever played that song what <laughs> i mean we're talking about the crowd as well right oh no no i'm just i'm not talking about like the at the party part but oh, like about during the dinner? you know yeah like the dinner when you when when you have the first dance with the mother the, the somebody that part is usually not on me in terms of what music to play oh. I, the times that i've dj'd a wedding you just it do the reception party part yeah and it that probably wouldn't have been the vibe um mm-hmm. most of the times like they've actually requested some of the songs that like mm-hmm. one dude wanted to hear some song from talib quali it's like all what? right like, that's interesting it was interesting mm-hmm. but i played it and he was looking at me he was like nodding mm-hmm. his head he's like yeah yeah like he was uh, yeah he dictated like pretty yeah, much all nah, the stuff i've been playing stuff like uh anthony hamilton the point of it all like you know can you stand the rain like records like that you know next really time i do a wedding i'll make sure to put those in the, in the dinner <laughs> on the dinner list yeah, yeah, but I mean, and and you know, you you have to. It's a transition, so you of know, course. I mean, it, when it starts out, people want you know relaxing music while they eat yeah, the food. Of course, of course, but of then course. you know, as as it goes on, you know, you start to kick it up, start to kick it up, and then until you want people to actually be on the dance floor. So well, usually uh, the weddings that I've gone to, we're going on a little tangent here, but they've kind of mm-hmm. broken it up a little bit, okay. so it's just like the music is more it's more like a set thing because they do the speeches and stuff right right and then hey after the speeches then they get out on the floor right but the other times i've done weddings where that music hasn't been dictated to me they're actually like yeah get a little experimental and Mm. so like i'm not going to experiment with you know can you stay in the rain i'm going to play some go-go remix to a lord song and people are going to be like what is this this is fire i'm like i mean hey that's that's what i do so you know Anyway. Sure. All right. So obviously, Bobby's not on this album. No. And Bobby's on his own album. Yes. And his album. album is called Don't Be Cruel, which he releases the same day, which we're yes. just finding out. I knew he had an album that came out around the same time, and uh-huh. that's why he wasn't on here, but right. did not know that this album came out the same day. Um, Bobby Brown is a dick. <laughs> so, and I and I mean that in the in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, this album was way fucking better. 
Well, look, uh, there's a reason why Bobby Brown was the king of R&B for so long. Mm. You know, I mean, look, MJ was the king of pop, but yeah, Bobby Brown owned that R&B sound. It's crazy, man, because like, like just looking at the track list, I'm remembering when when Ralph was was mad at Bobby, and I'm just like, Ralph, you be? weren't you weren't doing this, dog. Yeah. Like this wasn't this wasn't what you were doing. But yeah, man, like like just great mix of like, you know, songs about I'm gonna do whatever I want to do, oh, songs about how much he loves Shorty and what she's about, songs about him being a bad boy with my prerogative. I mean, this man became a rock star. Like, there's not enough that I can say about this. I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at this quote that they have here from All Music. It says, "Don't be cruel was to Bobby Brown what control was to Janet Jackson." Yeah. Wow. And yeah. and I mean that's the, the you can't say a better statement about what this album is. Right. Um so yeah, he drops on on uh on Jan or June 20th as well. Uh any thoughts there about the fact that he did the same day? No, 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 just the album itself. I mean, if you if you have thoughts about it. Well, so here's the thing. I haven't listened to this album, right? But I know that that run that you're talking about, you know, yeah. don't be cruel, my prerogative, Roni, rock with you every little step. I mean, yeah. It's hard to, even if you don't listen to R&B, you probably caught wind of these songs had in to. the background and didn't know it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and look, shout out to whoever the character was in the movie that was played by Tank. Okay. That was an L.A. Reid, was it? I don't know. No, it was, it was someone else. Okay. But whoever that character was uh -huh. in real life who recognized it, look, you know, Bobby Brown is not making it work with New Edition. But yeah. this guy, even if he's not the best singer, is right. a star. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so whoever could recognize it yet, this rock star personality yeah. is going to get on this music that we create for him and just blow up. Right. Uh, shout out to whoever was yeah. able to recognize that. Yeah, that is that is crazy. And, and it's funny that you say that because it's like usually in the music business, it's the opposite, right? It's mm -hmm. like... It's like let's look let's look for the person who we can manage the best who's like not just gonna like be out here acting crazy and we and we're gonna have to find a way to track them down and you know get them to shows and stuff like that. But all of that is what made the Bobby Brown thing work. Oh yeah. Right? Like like all of the things that you say you don't want your artist to be like was what Bobby was like and, and those things were what created, you know, just the the mania around him. I mean, I'm not sure if my prerogative works with another star that's not someone like Bobby Brown. I mean, that's right. that's exactly what you were kind of talking about. You were right. saying, you know, Ralph Tresvan was upset with Bobby for putting this out, but Ralph Tresvan can't sell right. exactly. My Prerogative. If he puts out My Prerogative, it's just a song. Yeah. yeah. I We're probably not talking about it right now if, if that's yeah. coming from Ralph Tresvan. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now I don't remember what records it was. But was this also the album that they said that uh, that Ralph actually sang of some of it? Because it was uh, every little step. They say if you listen to it, you can hear Ralph's voice on it. Because Bobby wasn't showing up for studio sessions. I wonder how much yeah, of this album. Right. I think it was this album. Yeah. I don't remember which song, but I think you're it was correct. Every, every yeah. little step, right? Anyway, <laughs> I wonder how much of this album Ralph sang. And then still didn't get the credit as a solo artist. Poor guy, oh, man. man. Poor guy. Poor guy. And, yeah. then, and then they like played him as a punk on the whole. You know what though? <laughs> I actually think that they did that correct because I do kind of. Well, hold on, look. Uh huh. When you go back and you listen to our episode, we definitely had our fun 
with Ralph Chesney. Right. You know what I mean? In right. fact, I'm probably going to drop in the, the sensitivity drop <laughs> right around now, right? But, I mean, I do kind of feel bad for him mm. in the sense that, you know, this was a kid who had all the talent mm-hmm. and had the charm, the... The looks, the dance moves, everything. Probably didn't have the charisma, but definitely had the charm and, and had all that stuff. And when he had a chance to go solo, you know, back when the group wasn't really doing much for him, he's like, nah, like, I want to be put on with my boys mm-hmm. because he's like, this is fun with them. Right. And then for Michael Bivens to grow into his business mind right. and kind of make some of the maneuvers that he did. Yeah. And Bobby Brown, who wasn't all that talented from a vocal standpoint, but had the at- was able to sell his attitude and his persona right. for him to really get the limelight. And then for Ralph Tresvan to to then get to a point where he needed new addition to be able to sustain his career and that then with all their personal problems wasn't really coming through for him i mean yeah like ralph jess fan is probably someone whose star should have shown a little brighter yeah. at least when it came to like his personal career yeah i think though to some degree the the long-standing success of, of new edition is partially due to the way they embraced how hip-hop was coming on the scene. They did, absolutely. Um, and it seemed like that wasn't what Ralph's role was in the group. Mm-hmm. So when every, everybody else was kind of just zigging with the industry, like he was kind of zagging in terms of he was like, I'm the R&B traditionalist of the group. Um, and, and that may have been part of the reason why, you know, Sensitivity and, you know, uh, or Ralph Tresvant, that was the name mm-hmm. of the album. Um, and, you know, certain other things that he was trying out were less popular. But, you know, shout out to Bivens for really putting that together, for yeah. recognizing that, you know, R&B could blend with hip hop. Well, yeah. because I'm not sure if other artists, R&B artists were really doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that they were kind of influenced by, by some of the hip hop sound. Yeah. But to actually, you know, be rapping on the record, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure yeah, if yeah, other yeah. R&B groups were doing that. I mean, maybe they were. Maybe they were as kind of like novelty acts, right? Like uh-huh. the same way that Blondie did Rapture and is quote unquote rapping on there. Right, right, right. But I think a lot of what, a lot of the blend that we heard in the 90s where you had, you know, you had an R&B album and, you know, of course you had your just straight R&B cuts. Mm. But then you had cuts where both is like more hip hop yeah. friendly. You either have a hip hop artist on right, there right, right. rapping or you're kind of rapping yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you could probably point back to this album, this mm-hmm. record. Not the, not the Bobby Brown, but the Heartbreak yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. And the few records where they're rapping on and here. And BBD just in general. Exactly. Right, exactly, right. BBD. Yeah, yeah. And so for them to recognize that, hey, you know, this is a, a musical lane that we can go in and fulfill. Right. Uh, yeah, shout out to them for doing yeah, that. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the Bobby besides this just being a stellar album? You know, look, we talked about doing the Heartbreak album. Yeah. And we hadn't even considered doing Bobby Brown. I think right. it was a question one of us asked. It's like, oh, yeah, when did... When did Bobby Brown's project right, drop? Right. And then we're like, whoa, it dropped right, the same, same day? day? Oh, we got to talk about this too, right? Right. So, you know, now that I know that, I, I kind of want to go back and, and actually just listen Dad, to you it. You got to want this album. This joint yeah. is crazy. And it's like so out of left field when you <laughs> in the context of who, who he was in the group, you know? We should look at real quick who sold, whose record sold more. Well, this was seven times platinum. I think Heartbreak only went four times platinum. Let's see. He said only. Uh, oh, his album was certified double platinum. But I think it went... One of their records I thought went four times platinum. 
The reason why I say that is because uh-huh. it's funny we're talking about this, right? Like right. we're talking about going seven times platinum. We're talking about going four times platinum, uh-huh. double platinum, and that's that's great. Uh-huh. One of Whitney Houston's early albums sold twenty five million records, Jeez. right? So it's just like, just think about that. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, Whitney's like that's cute. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there, yeah. you know, obviously, I bring that up because of the connection, you know, the Bobby Brown connection. Right, right, but it's right. just like, yeah. wow, like you know, thirty-year tributes to both of these albums, incredible albums. Um, if you would have asked me, uh, you know, uh, in my my days of being a huge New Edition fan, even though it was hindsight, I would have been like, yeah, like New Edition, you know, pro New Edition, and Bobby would have been an afterthought. But you know, now just as somebody who's just an objective music person mm-hmm. listening to both of these albums, I have to say the Bobby Project is better in my opinion. Based off um, of that track run, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I think that Can You Stay in the Rain. Is definitely a standout, mm-hmm. but even if it isn't love and boys to men, I don't think really can touch the other good records on this. Yeah, there aren't um, there aren't five songs. There's there isn't a five song. No, there's not. Like like even if you put them all together, there isn't five songs that that's on that level. Right. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I've never been Babyface and L.A. Reid's biggest fan. But I really just have to give it to him here. I've always re- had respect for Babyface. Definitely yeah. me as well as as like a songwriter and mm-hmm. like, you know, et cetera. But Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam are like in my Hall of Fame producers. Like mm-hmm. like when right for I talk about folks I would like look up to with, with, with the Quincy Joneses is Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam. Wow. Yeah, you put them like, on that level. I mean, yeah, like like the echelon of like, wow. of okay, like that's... great producers. That's very high They're praise. Up, yeah. I understand it though. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I the reason why I think Quincy Jones is in an even more elite. Yeah, but echelon. like who, who's up there? Is my the reason, right? but the reason why I wouldn't put them in the same level is because Quincy Jones was able to do it for decades. Oh yeah, right. But, it's it's like but, you said, but it's like had, Quincy. It's like Quincy, right? Yeah. And then like who else, right? Like we're talking about oh. like like hip hop R and B producers. When I when I have my echelon of you know I don't know top twenty five or whatever it is, yeah. Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam are there, Quincy Jones is there. Yeah, I mean I think that the only other people in terms of who've been able to span multiple generations of sound mm. from a pop perspective, right? I mean obviously Miles Davis was able to do it, and some other jazz musicians, but that's different. Right. So from a pop perspective, I mean you can give it to James Brown a yeah. little bit. Um, didn't do it. Didn't doesn't have the three generations, yeah. but he definitely has two. Mm. You know, with the with the soul, um, yeah, with, with the early soul, and then with the funk. I mean, that's definitely you got to get James Brown props there. But even if you were to give it to someone like Timberland, mm. um, and able to you know span the multiple generations yeah. of sound, he's been able to do it. Now I'm not saying he's on the level of nah, Quincy I, Jones, I, and maybe not even Jimmy I, Jam. I, Terry I throw Lewis, him but. out there. I throw Curtis Mayfield out there. I okay, throw yeah, I Isaac Curtis, Hayes out there. Isaac you Hayes. know what I'm saying? Like, like in this. What about Rick Rubin? No, no. Wow. It's funny. Somebody else asked me that that same question this week, and I said no. I think Jay Z might disagree with you, but that's okay. He's wrong. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just saying. I, I just I, I disagree personally. Okay. We can go into the yeah, whole yeah, yeah. Rick Rubin discussion. Um, you know, I, I respect him for what he contributed. I would put Marley Marl above a Rick Rubin every day, That's um, and That's maybe fair. twice on Sundays. I so, uh, that is yeah. high praise for uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis though, to put him yeah. in the same camp as Quincy. It's, it's really high praise. Yeah, I mean, Quincy is Quincy, right? So it's like nobody's in the same camp as Quincy. But when I talk about 
the greatest producers of all time. Mm. Quincy's obviously there. <laughs> he would have to be. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are also in that in that group. I got you. Yeah. But um yeah, man. Uh two great albums. Uh 30 30 year anniversary for those, June twentieth. Mm-hmm. So shout out to all the members of New Edition. Did you yes. hear that they're trying to come back together? They'll be trying to come back together now until they don't need money anymore. So nah, yes. there's so there's a new group that is I'm trying to remember who it is. It's like everybody that you wouldn't think. It's like it's like Bobby, Ralph, and Ricky or something. It doesn't even make sense. The three people that are coming together, you never would have thought that they're well, coming together and they're they're they anytime are. you hear Ricky I'm assuming <laughs> he needs money. Yes. Look, that look and look, that's not me. That's me watching the movie. The movie made that very clear right. that he needs money. So, yeah, so I, I think we pretty much covered it. And who knows? Maybe we'll start doing some more R&B tributes. Not all the time. Definitely but not all there's the time. a few ones that are probably worth highlighting and mentioning. So, yeah, we we, we got to sneak a Janet up in here. Jan, I know Def- Janet just sure. had a, a, an anniversary for one of her albums. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely so, do that. Shout out to Janet. Shout out to New Edition. Peace. Peace. Just 